Welcome back to Theological Soul Food. I am so excited. We're episode five in. Um, for those joining us for the first time, again, I say this every week. Go back and listen to the other episodes. Come again now. You're crazy. But, <laughs> but last week was a good time. We ate. This week, we're going to continue to keep diving into this. But for those who are new here. Theological Soul Food is, is a dedicated podcast to calling the black community back to its formal state of spirituality satisfaction through engaging conversations, teachings, and encouragement. Um, together, we will feast on the spiritual meals that was once nourished uh, nourishment for our ancestors. And we have also been nourishing or uh, getting nourishment from yes, the yes. food <laughs> that has been brought in. Um, this week, we're going to continue with um name it or not um <laughs> I, I can already tell you i, I kind of want to know the name but i won't i won't go too too far but Esther glass how are we doing this week i'm doing well this has been a good ministry day for me a good ministry week mother's day was amazing yes. um that was right that just passed us um i'm ready to get back in the, i'm ready to get right into part two of this uh conversation we're having about my trip to ghana come on you ready i am ready while i continue to keep eating okay yes <laughs> oh what's on my plate okay, okay yes. this is a plate today so, so you want to go ahead and explain to them again for those who didn't catch the last episode what's the name or don't all so name it or not we are going to local restaurants soulful restaurants in the area we're purchasing food and if we like it we gonna we gonna name it, and that's gonna be at the end of the show. But if you don't like it, it's okay, babies. We just not go. We not go put you out on blast. Nah, we, <laughs> we just not gonna say nothing. We just not gonna say that. We just gonna act like it didn't happen. Right, gonna, we just go. We gonna put. We gonna put it in the trash can with the plate upside, upside down. down. Right. Fold it over. <laughs> Fold, Fold it upside over. down so they don't see that you threw it away. Exactly. So, so how is stuff like that universal? Honestly, I don't know, and it cracks me up of just the littlest things that people do. And I'm like, I thought I was the only one that did that. Like right. the imaginary camera that you just sometimes pan into and yeah. look at yeah. when something crazy is happening or ridiculous is happening. You just look at that imaginary camera and go back to the, <laughs> the person crazy. speaking. Other people do that. Dog. We are truly one race. Because <laughs> like we don't learn it. Like, we don't, like, this behavior, where does it come from? It, it, I don't know. Like, and just telling you earlier, like, this type of plate, mm -hmm. this is the plate that you sit. <laughs> when you at the barbecue, everybody line dances, but your food is good. So you just sit in sit the grass in that little metal, mm -hmm. <laughs> that little metal folding mm -hmm. chair mm -hmm. with your knees put together, oh, on, trying to support is. that plate. Like, you got a tray or something. You already know. That's that type of plate that's going on right now. So. Yeah, it's, it's looking delicious. <laughs> so it's I'm looking excited. rather delicious. I am excited. So, so, what we got? We got some fried okra. Fried okra, ribs, brisket, mm. greens. With, it, looked, it looked like a, a little neck bone in there. What? Is that, is that what I'm seeing? A little neck bone? Oh. And then this fried okra, I had to take me like Yeah, fried okra is good. I haven't, I haven't had fried okra, okra in forever. Fried okra, I haven't either. Too. I won't eat like fresh okra like people do. Like it's disgusting. It is what? I wanted to. I'm not. I'm sorry, mom. I wanted to slap my mother. First time she ever introduced just like boiling mm -hmm. the okra, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I lifted that spoon and that snot Slime. came off. Yeah, man. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I had never wanted to hit my mother so much, <laughs> but in that moment, are you kidding me? Yeah, it was pretty terrible. I, um, yeah, man, when it comes to um, okra, I will say this though, I do like succotash. Okay. I like succotash, and that's like the base of that is okra. Mm-hmm. It's just something about the the slime as it's cooked oh. and it gets into the other. It, it's actually not bad. I'm, but anyway, I'm judging you, Pastor Les. I Go just ahead. want you. <laughs> right here. Suck a tash. I, I, I'm judging you. I'm, I know it's not. It's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm rare. <laughs> Absolutely not. Questioning them taste buds right now. Um. So yeah, Pastor Glass, take us, uh, take us back into this because it was, yeah. it was extremely interesting. The um, last episode and topic and the conversation that we had and I actually went home and was talking to my mother about it and she's super excited about um, hearing the episode but talk can I share my favorite part yeah 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 of the yeah. last episode yeah, that's was, still like it, it it made me go into the rabbit's hole okay of YouTube and oh all really? of <laughs> okay but you gotta be careful yeah. <laughs> um so the, the part where you talked about standing in the dungeon and standing on the DNA mm-hmm. of our ancestors. And it really just, like, it makes you think back to that saying, like, you old as dirt. Yeah. Really think about it. Walk with me. Mm, come on. We are really old as, like, like, dirt is really old. Dirt mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily, like, move mm-hmm. as much. So, like, dirt that was, like, I'm trying to explain it. Dirt that was, like, at a house. Mm-hmm. And it's been grassed over, mm-hmm. and that I just think like, yeah, I'm on my lawn, but I'm not digging up my dirt, right? Right, right, right. And that's been there for as long as I've had the house. And then I think, ba- I think a little bit further, like that's been there as long as it's been there. So thinking about standing on, sitting in this dungeon and sitting on this flooring that has bits and pieces of our ancestors' DNA, it just it blows my mind. Yeah, it, dude, it blew my mind. Like, and it, like, legit, you couldn't, I'm standing on great, 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 mm-hmm. great, great, grandpappy, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, cause think about that. Like, I don't know if anybody thought of this. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know what happens if DNA degrades or not, but like, could we use DNA like those 23 and me and like match? Like uh, we could say, Hey, yo, you, we checked the DNA in this room. And we put it up against this database of 23andMe, and we found that your DNA, you have a DNA match in this room. Exactly. That's crazy. That, like, to me, that's crazy. But then I'm I'm, I'm almost like uh-huh. the conspiracy theorist. Really? But I, I a little bit, okay? <laughs> Certain things I'm like, there's intentions behind that. But mm-hmm. I think about, like, almost like I get that it's a moving moment. I almost want it to be untouched. Mm. My personal opinion, yeah. I, I would prefer for that room because, and maybe you have to be there. I wasn't there. So maybe you have to be there to say like, no, this needs to be seen. You need to be in this moment. You need to be, you need to feel the the, the ambience of what's happening here. But mm-hmm. I'm almost like, seal it off. This is a sacred moment. That, that was yeah. a sacred time. That was a, um, a hard time. No one should be standing on it. Mm. No one should be able to sample it. Seal it off. Yeah. Make it untouchable. Um, but it's just 
some you know some people need that yeah. to be able to experience that and re and connect them back to who they are. Yeah. So what was really dope, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this last time, is when it was done. Like I, we had a mixed group. Mm-hmm. We had a mixed group um, because there was a like a Harvard class or a Harvard graduate class that was in Ghana, and they were going through this stuff, a historical class, and so you know we had a diverse group. It was probably about. 25, 30 people mm-hmm. in our tour. But when the tour was over, the Harvard students, they went to a lecture and our tour guide was like, okay, all you Americans stick around. Don't go anywhere yet. And that's when he kind of gave the explanation about how, um, you know, a few years back, the president of Ghana said, hey, it's a 400 year anniversary of the very first slave ship reaching the Americas. And we're inviting you back. We want you to come home. Mm-hmm. Let's create partnership and all this other stuff. So he was telling us that. And then he said, okay, now we're going to do a candle ceremony. Mm-hmm. And what we do in the candle ceremony is we um, go into two of the different slave dungeons. Okay. And we all light candles and we're all supposed to do like a makeup, give up, Word of appreciation to our ancestors. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Or just we're supposed to say something to the ancestors. And it was powerful. Like people were in tears and from our group. And he was very clear. And I was so glad he did this because, you know, one of my pet peeves, and we're going to get into this, I think, today, with um, modern evangelical Christianity that has persisted um, for, a, you know, a few centuries now is the idea that everything that does not fit into the framework of evangelical Protestantism mm-hmm. is immediately has to be uh, labeled as um, pagan or demonic. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of people have a problem with that when it's like, wait, whoa, praying to ancestors and all this other stuff. But it's like when you go to Washington, D.C. and you go to the tomb of an unknown soldier. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's like this whole procession, a ceremony. Nobody thinks nothing of that. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, we're not praying to the ancestors. We're not praying to them. We're praying about them. We're not really talking to the ancestors. We're talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, he's like, I'm a Christian. We're not praying to them. He was like, they're dead. You can't pray to something that's dead. Yeah. You know? Um, and, you know, I just want to just liberate people. Just like, it's so easy to demonize everything that is African, but yeah, there are some things that are pagan, certain things that are demonic, certain things that we do need to steer clear from. But we have to understand that there has been an intentional move to demonize everything black that started in the colonial days and mm-hmm. we're still dealing with right now. Yeah. When other cultures stuff is deemed just culture. Yeah. It's just their culture. So, but yeah, anyway, but yeah, to your point, that was a very sacred time. And I'll be honest with you, there are certain points in times where I was in the tour mm-hmm. and, you know, it, the, everybody needs to see it. Everybody needs to see it. But there'd be like certain people, you know, who aren't African or African-American where they were just a little bit too casual there. And I I, I was and people don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not offending anybody. You don't know what you don't know. Please go see it. But there's a certain level of respect. Yeah. That needs to be when you're something like that, especially if you have African-Americans there 
who are the descendants of these people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the whole time I'm there, and I talked about this in our last episode, the whole time I'm there, at least all I'm thinking is, I had an ancestor walk through here. Mm-hmm. There's a door called the door no return. I have an ancestor where they walked through these doors and never came home. Dude, it hit me. It hit me. It hit me. Hit me hard. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. But anyway, so this week, what we want to talk about is kind of, like I just said, the door of no return. They actually have this door. And on the one side, inside the dungeon, it Mm -hmm. says door of no return. Okay. Which is what they call the doors that the slaves walked out to walked out of for the last time. Okay. Never to return home. And we went to two different slave castles and both of them had a door no return. But like I said, in 2019, the president of Ghana um, wants to send the message out to the diaspora Christians. Yeah. That, oh, not diaspora Christians, diaspora Africans. Yeah. Come home. And on the other side of the door of no return, it says door of return. Okay. I thought that was pretty dope. I like the idea of there being open arms for um for us to return and 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 truly feel welcomed because and I don't have all the facts so don't, <laughs> don't get don't get on my neck okay I just know that there was a time where it was like if you weren't from Africa you didn't feel welcome mm-hmm. you didn't feel like you would go and it was just like it was almost like you were an alien. Mm-hmm. So the the thought of going back and being in places where you know that you're welcome, you know that like I know that I'm not from here. Yeah. My descendants are from or like my mm-hmm. my ancestors are from here yeah. and I want to know a, more about where I came from. Yeah. That's big to me. Like yeah. like make me feel welcome. Yeah, man. I mean, and that's that's what they're trying to do. Like I think Cardi B's about doing a concert there mm-hmm. now. Um, Steve Harvey was just there. Like a lot of celebrities are like, hey, we're coming back. We heard the call. We're coming back. Right. But you're right. Um, the relationship between the African and the diaspora Africans, um, you know, it has been one that I'm going to just say it has not been mediated well. Yeah. There's never really been an intentional mediation between the African American and the African continent even though they tried yeah there's a thing called the pac the pan-african conference where they tried and that was the purpose the purpose was in the same way that diaspora jews mm-hmm. were organized and were supposed to come home to israel and love your culture and don't ever abandon your culture they tried that mm-hmm. and they still are trying to pan-africanism is really still trying to do that like let's not allow our rich history and heritage to be erased. Yeah. And we just need more mediation with that conversation. But yeah, man. So let's just talk about Africa a little bit. You know, it's still, you know, your your poorest nations in the world mm-hmm. are still in Africa. Um Africa is still experiencing and dealing with the consequences of um colonialism Mm -hmm. there is new colonialism happening there um i think they said 
I think a recent survey I heard said that the average age in Africa is like 17. Okay. It's a young nation. And something like that might be a little older. But Africa still has more people on it than any other continent. Yeah. And they're saying that number is just going to increase, especially when the median age is so young. They're not dying off. Mm-hmm. It's still making babies. Africa needs a lot of help, though. They do. They need a lot of help. What kind of help you think that we should be giving them, Delisa? <laughs> Discussion time. <laughs> like, what do you think we should be doing, man? I, like, what should we be doing? Just spending money over there? I don't. I mean, moving I, back to Africa because you moved back. Would I move back? Mm-hmm. Here's it. Okay. Well, not well, move I'm, back because well, well when here, we return to our ancestors' home. Right. So here's the thing, mm-hmm. and we we have this conversation. A lot, and I I understand for those who are listening for the first time and do not know, uh, my my husband is Caucasian. I'm black. Our daughter is half black um, and half white. So, to the idea of moving back, I absolutely love. I was like, come on, let's pack it up because <laughs> this USA, <laughs> it's 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 she's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But so we are now starting to get those opening arms of come on home, come return home. Would my I I can't just up and abandon my family, right? Right. You know, right. so that um that fear of like you know would we um and not even necessarily like welcome to be worshipped or anything like that, but just like would we. Would, would we be welcome there and have the same experience of living in this new country? So mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly would one day love to go and just live there for a year or something mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to experience, like just to be in that experience. But I'm also a mom and a wife and, yeah. you know, um, which I, anybody would probably have the, you know, same feelings, whether their spouse was, you know, white or black or whatever, just feel like, you know, yeah. Would my family be welcome? But it was that same fear of would I be welcomed? Yeah. Considering that I'm not from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the prop, I think we, there, Africa is a nation full of false perceptions. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the false perceptions is that um, we wouldn't be welcomed back home. Yeah. Now, there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is because of the perception of Americans mm-hmm. and sometimes even the perception of African-Americans that, you know, we're kind of arrogant. You yeah. Know? We, we yeah. have this idea that, you know, this American exceptionalism, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that, that rubs people the wrong way, no matter where we go, you know? And another problem is... Oftentimes, Americans, we go into different circumstances. We go into different nations, especially poorer nations, with a savior complex. Yes. And that savior complex is also going to be a turnoff. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when we're there doing the quote-unquote saving, it's like, yeah, there's there's smiles and there's jubilee and there's lots of other stuff. But afterwards, you know, there is no real genuine transaction. Mm -hmm. It's, hey, I'm here to give money, and when I'm done giving my money, I'm out. Yeah. There's no relationship there. Yeah. There's no none of that stuff there. So I think I think there's a lot 
of room for relationship, mm-hmm. for restoration, or even reconciliation yeah. between American African Americans or American uh, descendants of Africa and Africans. Yeah, you know, I've been to South Africa, Mozambique, and now Ghana, and in every place I've gone. I've seen need mm-hmm. and I look at the African-American community and I'm like, man, we could feel so much need yeah. over there. We could give them so much because what I believe needs to happen is there needs to be, there, there needs to be a response to a good response to all of the exploitation that has made it. So Africa struggles financially so much yeah how i don't know but the reason africa is in the condition it's in right now is because of exploitation mm-hmm. and colonization yeah and now all of a sudden we say well exploitation colonization is over pack it up <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up <laughs> you know what I'm saying? we out of here folks we out of here this well is dry. Right. <laughs> Ain't no water. No, like, 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 and you would just see. I definitely agree as far as like the imagery that's been put mm-hmm. out there. And like, it just reminds me of like back in the day. What was her name? The lady that would have like those, the sad song playing and the little African kids in the back. You oh my God. The little kid with the bug eyes mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. fly that just lands mm-hmm. perfectly on their eyeball mm-hmm. and then takes off and she's like, just for 50 cents a yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, You can help this struggling child. Yeah. And then, like, now you don't really see that as much. No. Where I'm just kind of more like, I would just rather not don't, you know, give my money to, but, like, put it in their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, because what happens, what, what Africa needs is... I'm not going to get into it because I'm going to bore everybody. We're going to fall asleep. <laughs> but what Africa really needs is what's called what we would consider debt relief. That's what we need. Haiti is a perfect example of a nation in need of debt relief. Yes. So basically what happened is when Colin, when, when Africa, African nations um, either on good terms or in violent terms expelled the colonizers mm-hmm. like the colonizers left, but when you already have a system of infrastructure yeah. that is based on Western ways, Western economy, mm-hmm. that's, you know, and it's been this way for four, 500 years. It's like the world is too intertwined for the African to just kick my, okay, we're going to do our own thing, start our own thing. Now, hold on. We have this infrastructure yeah, that's based on banks, that's based on all this, you know, based on certain commerces and all this other stuff where, hey, we still need to get our water from somewhere. Yeah. We still need to get our, you know, we still need to be able to afford to trade and do this other stuff. So what happens is, you know, when, col- when the season of colonization was over, there was still a lot of, exploitation because Africans needed to borrow money. And that's what they did. They borrowed money from the World Bank and all this other stuff just so they could not be defunct as a nation. Yeah. And now you have all these countries that are in ridiculous debt. 
ridiculous debt, like ridiculous debt, hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars in debt that they can't pay back. So you go over there and roads, oh no, how come we don't have roads? They can't afford it. There's, you know, Wi-Fi technology in Mozambique is just not present. Wait, hold on. How come we can't? They can't afford it. Like, they cannot afford it, and there's nobody there who can afford it. So what? the only way they can have it is by what? A foreign interest coming in and establishing it. Well, guess what? The foreign interest is going to come in and do it. They're going to charge. <laughs> Waxing. <laughs> exactly. So in Mozambique in particular, you know, when you go... You know, you see them trying to fix roads and all you see on these trucks is um, Mandarin Mm -hmm. because Chinese are kind of coming over and they're building infrastructure. They're building trains. They're building stuff. They're not doing it simply just out of humanitarian, but they're doing it and they're they're engaging in commerce over there. Yeah. So like there's a one port in particular where it was like a fishing port where a lot of the locals are going fish. I can't remember what it is. This is like in Nigeria or something like that. And, you know, they do a lot of fishing or other stuff. And, you know, they went back a little bit later and it's like, yeah, we can't fish here anymore because the big, the Chinese are coming and they're fishing up all the fish, you know? And that's the type of stuff that's not being dealt with. Like they need debt relief. They need forgiveness of debt. And my question is, where does the church fit in? <laughs> what should the church be doing? Since we were so involved in the exploitation, Africa, should the church be part of the mediating of restoring Africa? I would <clears throat> I would definitely say yes. And, but I've, I've, I feel like we've, for years, and this is my own personal opinion, I feel like for years we've had this idea of missions trips mm. and how they are set up and mm-hmm. we're going to go over there and mm-hmm. b- help build this little village for these people. And then right. <laughs> like, it, it almost feels like a way of explo- exploiting mm-hmm. the people and the in the area and the culture since we get all these pictures and then you bounce. Yeah. Yeah. You may not spend your dollars over there or it may not be building that relationship to continue to help over there. It's just okay, let's take this this mission this one mission trip and then we out. Yeah. Um just to say we'll pat on the back we did yeah. what we needed to do. Yeah. Um or we're right in the eyes of God. So yeah. I think that the idea of our current state of missions trips changed. I if we're truly going to build a relationship and create this bridge be- between the, you know, us Christians over here and, and Christians over there, it, the structure is, to me, it's just wrong. Yeah. But that's, again, that's my personal opinion. No, you're right. Um, you're right. And and I speak from being one of those people that went over to the Dominican Republic to help Haitians. Mm-hmm. Um where those who were uh those who were uh Haitian refugees and it literally it was it, it felt like I ain't been back. I ain't talked to the people that's been there like <laughs> I'm I'm speak, like it's just literally yeah. like we went helped out for a week 
got completely sunburned. <laughs> yeah. Um, and got sick and then came home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that. that's and that's it. Yeah. Ain't been back since. So um I don't know. I, I feel like like so creating these buying lands and putting houses like how they say like come home and celebrities were encouraging people, you know, black people to come home and you know, buy land here and put up houses and start businesses and that type of thing. Like, I feel like that's a way of yeah starting that. So if his church is doing the exact same thing, not uh, not necessarily putting up a church to bring more money into that church, but more so putting up businesses to help the people that are over there to run those businesses. Yes, yeah, exactly. And bring in money for themselves. Yeah, one man I met over there. I mean, you know, he said that very clearly. He was like, you know, I'm looking for investors in my business. And I'm like, I'm in my aunt, I'm looking at it like, man, I wish I was in a position to do it. Exactly. You know? But that's the type of stuff that needs to happen. Like that's the stuff of substance. You know, that that's that's the in my mind, the perfect reciprocated response mm-hmm. to what was done to them. You know, what was done to the nation. Yeah. You know, uh, a few years ago, just to give perspective, I'm going to say 20 years ago. That's more than a few. You remember when seashells was real popular? Yep. Those seashell necklaces necklaces and earrings Mm -hmm. and some stuff. When the, when, uh, the Portuguese first go and explore and, you know, they have their Stuff to trade with. Mm-hmm. They got their alcohol. They got their tobacco. They got their firearms. They got their weapons. And they go over there to trade with them these goods. And they see these Africans and they're like, man, they got gold. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, man, they just have so much gold. What in the world? And the Africans are like, yeah, we'll do trade. So guess what the Africans considered? their currency those seashells and the portuguese they're like oh really and guess what they did they went out deep into the ocean Mm -hmm. where they could find a good harvest of all those types of seashells and they just scooped it up and scooped it up and scooped it up and scooped it up and they pretty much flooded the areas with those seashells for gold yeah (laughs) And a lot of people be like, oh, what Africans didn't know. It's just, a, it was just a clash of cultures. Yeah. But this is the type of exploitation that is taking place where it's just like, all right, you literally have stripped the continent of Africa of the world's most precious commodity mm-hmm. for something that's worthless. Right. <laughs> I give you pennies <laughs> or peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> for your pennies. Like. Right. Exactly. Peanuts for pennies. Yeah. And. That was just the beginning of it. Yeah. That was just the beginning of it. So I believe that they're definitely, we are way overdue for a response. Yeah. They're way overdue for a response. Like, there's a search, you know, I'm not going, I mean, you know, oh, everybody's like, oh, reparations and oh, we can't do reparations and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, why not? We've done it for everybody else. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And Africans and African descendants, are the reason that America is so rich right now. Yeah. Well, well nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, that's another show. We, 
don't have time. <laughs> hey, I'm talking about that. We're not going to talk about, at this moment? No, we're no, not going right, to talk, about, talk that. about it. So I think there needs a response. So let me read something, and I'm going to let you go ahead and eat. Okay. All right, read, because we got to determine if we're going to uh, name this name this business or not. All right. I'm going to read this passage. It's very familiar. Luke chapter 10. I think this is the what I think this is where we need to be when it comes to our the church's relationship with Africa. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged him, his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Martin Luther King you know, loved the story of the Good Samaritan. It was one of his stories that he used and he, uh, in interviews, he would talk about because the story of the Good Samaritan is a story where Jesus is laying out, this is how humanity is going to be improved. Not by acting like the priest, not by acting like the Levite, Mm -hmm. but by acting like the Samaritan and having compassion on those who need Compassion. Having the right intentions. Exactly. Compassion, those who need compassion. This is not about status, not about clout. You know, I I know we live in this age, Delisa, and I'm trying not to sound old. <laughs> I don't believe I'm old. I feel like I already know what you're about to say. Take a guess. Let me see what you're going to say. I think just like doing it for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doing, doing it for to get and, and even with Christians, we have to watch this. But doing it to have just another like we'll talk about another jewel in our crown. Yeah. But like our intentions are not because Jesus told me it was just okay. This is supposed to be the right thing to do, and this is what's going to make make me or sign my ticket to get into heaven. Right. Right. No, exactly. your, your intentions are bad. You might as well not even did it. Jesus said something that we just, he said, Jesus says a lot that we just totally throw out, <laughs> especially in like this one, uh, Good Samaritan. But Jesus said something that we never deal with. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Jesus says, don't, don't, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Mm-hmm. You do a good work, keep it to yourself. Exactly. He literally, don't, Look, try to if you get your reward from man, you're not gonna get it from heaven. Like he said, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first thing we want to do when we do something good is take pictures and post. And I'm at a point now where it's sometimes 
it's so ingrained in us that it's like we feel like we have to do it. Mm -hmm. It's like the event is not real. Me blessing somebody with money is not real unless I post about it. Right. <laughs> like that's what makes it like the the validation of people is what makes it a legit act of service or a legit act of charity. But it's crazy. It it is. You go to churches and it's like oh. These are the donors have given this much, and these are the donors have given this much, and these are the oh, their names are in plaques. And the, Jesus said, "No, we're supposed to be doing that type of stuff." And I know it's so deeply ingrained in our Americanism that you know accomplishments are to be celebrated, yeah, and all this other stuff, yeah, whatever. But I, 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 I feel as though the church, based on the word of Jesus Christ, has an opportunity to be the Samaritan to the African continent. Yeah. This is one of Martin Luther King's favorite uh, narratives that he would use. And what he would talk about is how the, Af the priests and the, Samar and, the, and the Levite, you know, you got to kind of go back in that time period. And it's not like a drive-by today. It's not like a jack in the day. It's not like someone, uh, you know, hitting up a lick today where it's just like, boom, boom, bat. All right, we out before the police come. Right. <laughs> Back then, like, if you get robbed on the side of the road, you, you're probably in a secluded area. Mm -hmm. And the bandits are probably not that far away. They probably live right down, like, oh, we're going to catch this fool. And they're probably going to sit there and wait for the next fool to catch. Exactly. So uh, Martin Luther King says, all right, what happens is um, the Levite and the priest, they went to the other side and didn't want to do anything about it. Because they were worried about what might happen to them mm -hmm. if we helped this dude out. If these dudes are still around, what might happen to us? Right. We, oh, we gonna get it. <laughs> and dude, that's the problem with the argument over reparations and what we're talking about. People worried about well, what's gonna happen to my bank account. <laughs> what's gonna happen to my job? Let's say perfect case in point. Uh huh. Student loans trying to get for, be forgiven. Perfect. perfect. Y'all some haters. <laughs> Man, listen. Y'all some haters. Okay. <laughs> just take a little bit off the top. Like Sally May is she rude. Like just I just need a little bit. Okay. You're not. You should pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be able to. Yeah. We weren't saying that during the 2008 financial crisis and we paying out, cashing out billions to save these big banks. And billions. billions. But what was funny was people was being called out for, oh, okay, so you got a problem with loan forgiveness or, you know, these loan forgiveness and these checks going out, but didn't you mm -hmm. benefit off of these PP loans and you really didn't need it? Come on, man. That was hilarious to me. I said, oh. Come on, man. Don't get him. <laughs> Come on, man. That's the real. I mean, and that's the point, man. Like, people are worried about what's going to happen to them if I give, if I sacrifice, if I serve. What's going to happen to us if, you know, we do decide that all descendants of Africans, slaves, get some form of reparation. People first, they're not thinking about, oh, how this might benefit them. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, how is this going to hurt? Me, right. I was gonna hurt my children. Do you do you watch Atlanta? No, y'all not gonna judge me, okay? Pastor Clash, you set me up. I'm sorry. No, I did. I haven't watched it. I need to get into it. Marcus has. I haven't. All right, so I'm not gonna spoil it, 
but it's an it, it's good, intelligent African American humor. Mm-hmm. Like it's not Martin, you know what I'm saying? And that's why a lot of people didn't run really feeling it. Yeah, because you know we consider like you know we we're extremes, and you know because we ain't had this conversation yet, but you know because we've been conditioned to believe that. We are a monolith. We all have to act the same, look the same, think mm-hmm. the same. That comedy has to be a certain way for the African American. But you know, you got this young, these millennials are coming like, nah, nah we we breaking free of those rules. Yeah. So you know, Donald Glover, he's one of those people. I love Donald Glover. Yeah, he is. He's genius. Hilarious. Genius. So he had an episode on reparations mm-hmm. on Atlanta, and it was genius. I ain't gonna ruin it, but it was like, what the 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 effect of the world. I mean, the effect on basically citizens in America mm-hmm. if they decided to give reparations. And what it shows is how fast the table would flip mm-hmm. if certain reparations. And the way that he flipped it was, it's not that the government was writing checks. The way he flipped it was, if your family is proven to own slaves, mm-hmm. you are indebted to the families who are the descendants of those slaves that your wow. family once owned. <laughs> so people were getting taxed. Wow. Yeah. I was like, dude, you genius. Like, and, <laughs> and what it did is it immediately turned the tables. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, like the surplus income is not surplus anymore. Yeah. You know, instead of having one job, I got to have two jobs right now. And it's like, wait a minute. And it was at one point in time, he was like, you know, and I'll hope, hey, I'm ruining it. Okay, spoiler alert. But like at one point, it was like literally people, like literally African Americans, like this is my house now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I, I, the government is backing me. I am repossessing. I'm taking what's mine. You just tried to come home, kick your feet up. You didn't have a long day, and somebody didn't move in. Yeah, moved in. <laughs> it's my house now. It's my house. Can you, can you imagine the conversations that? I just think about like if it was like an interracial couple and the the black woman finds out that her husband. Oh, dog! <laughs> <laughs> what would you do, Delisa? Huh? <laughs> you might have to go through marriage counseling. But <laughs> it's not his fault. It's not his fault. <laughs> we he might. Here. He wasn't here, but I, I don't know. We might have to go through a little bit of marriage counseling. <laughs> Owned my ancestors. He would have to be very careful with everything he ever calls you playfully for the Joe, rest of Joe, your life. At this point, just don't speak. Because I'm a, just don't He's going to be like, come here, girl. 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 <laughs> oh, you thought she was back with your ancestors, huh? <laughs> girl. You ain't even emphasize the art. You say girl. Like, girl. Like, like we <laughs> who you think you talking to? This ain't these times, bro. Right, you know what I'm like, can you <laughs> can you imagine? Ah, all right. So yeah, man. So that that's that's all in this, man. So here's what here's what Martin Luther King broke down. He was like the priest and the Levite were concerned about what happened, what would happen to them if they helped mm-hmm. the the uh, man who was beaten. But he says, but the Samaritan wondered what would happen to the man who was beaten if he wasn't helped. Mm-hmm. Completely flipped it. And that's what the narrative is about. That's what compassion is. Yeah. I'm not worried about me. I am worried about you. Yeah. 
And man, I'm not even going to say what would this world look like, Lisa. I'm asking, what would the church look like? If we thought that way, I'm not worried about me. Mm. I am concerned about what's going to happen to you if I leave this conversation knowing that you don't have enough money for groceries and I don't do anything about it. Knowing that you don't have enough money to pay your rent or your mortgage and I leave like it's not my problem. Yeah. Like what if we're thinking like, man, I can't bear the thought of you not being able to fi- feed your kids. So here's my grocery money. Money. Mm. Here's here's the money I had put away for a vacation. Here's the money I had put away for Christmas. Like, could you imagine that church? That would be a dope church. And I I mean, I know some people that's like that, mm-hmm. and it's appreciated because mm-hmm. it, it does. It's it like you said it it displays compassion yeah uh, like the true meaning of compassion like oh no we'll be good like we you don't there's not enough community necessarily for you you're coming and saying like i i don't know how i'm gonna get these groceries yeah. i got eight kids and i and what's crazy is i see this all the time yeah. on a daily basis yeah it's just the line of work i see it all the time and so you had them people that is literally like i'm down to my last but I'm comfortable in this moment. Mm-hmm. Let me let me give you. Wow. Let me take care of you real quick. Wow. And I just figure it out. It's supposed to be, man. That, that that's how it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. And I get so, you know, because you know, I, I I'm comfortable. You're comfortable, and we get so used to being comfortable that we don't realize that comfort becomes our idol mm-hmm. that we worship. I have yeah. to continually. Feed the God of comfort mm-hmm. so he don't go away. <laughs> so he continues to bless me. Right. I want, I gotta, I gotta continue to feed into it. How do I feed into it? By, you know, making sure that I have everything that I need and only be focused on that as a primary objective for my existence. Right. That's how we feed into that. When ideally, Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, everyone sold. One of my favorite passages, I'll go hear me talk about it a lot. Everybody sold their possessions in order to meet the needs of others. It reminds me of that. Uh, I, uh, was it Francis Chan? Mm-hmm. A book I, I read years ago and I felt I fell in love with it. Uh, I think it was Crazy Love. Did okay. you ever read that one? No. So with cra- I, I'm not mistaken. And if I'm wrong, correct me and we'll talk about it next time. Okay. But he had talked about downsizing mm-hmm. because he wanted to make sure that he wasn't in a position like him and his wife. And I think he had a couple kids. They downsized from the house that they were in to an extremely smaller space because he wanted to make sure that his community, his church community was that he was able to help whoever yeah. came to his to his front door. Yeah. Because he like he was like, God literally laid it on my heart that like. Yeah, we comfortable, but. Am I really doing the work yeah. or is my intentions pure or I'm just like, I'm living in this big house, but like they say living in this big house, but the the pastor's driving this $300,000 car yeah. and you got people in your church starving. Yeah. I mean, dude, I've that dude, that has been my area of growth for the last three years. It's just like, what are we really doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we really doing here? I see this. I see people struggling and suffering. Why am I? And I'm good. Why am I worried about losing my good? Right. 
as opposed to making sure somebody else is good. Yeah. And we've lost sight of that in American form, this westernized form of Christianity. We're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about that. But I believe, and I don't have a plan yet. I don't have a strategy, but I'm trying to develop one. I do believe that God is calling the church to be the good Samaritan for Africa. We got to stop looking at Africa like, what's going to happen to me if, what's going to happen to our economy? What's going to happen to my goals? What's going to happen to the, my desires for success if I do not, or if I help them, I need to be most concerned about, well, what's going to happen to them if we don't? What's going to happen to Africa if these nations stay in debt Yeah, in the way they're in debt? Yeah. What's going to happen to these people? What's going to happen if a new form of colonialism comes in? What's going to happen? Yeah. And if we just understand, especially in this country, that the greed of America is what put, and Western civilization is what put them in that position. Why do we not feel the responsibility to fix it? Yeah. This was good, Pastor Glass. This is my spiel on <laughs> this that. Actually, and it, it, is, it definitely spoke to me. Be able to go home, think on it, digest it a little bit more. So I, I, I definitely appreciate the conversation. Well, good. Me too. All right. All right, it's, it's let's, time. Let's end it, Pastor. So, <laughs> I ain't had this chicken yet. Oh, okay, let, let me take it. I didn't eat the chicken, but let me take a little bit of this bread. I just want to know. This. I didn't pretty much eat my whole plate. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get into the rib because the dis- unholy what happens to the rib. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not going to look. <laughs> It's unholy what happens to ribs when I, I eat look. them. Okay. <laughs> hey, well, at least you ain't eating a little bit, huh? Well, I'm hungry. So, Pastor Glass. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this plate. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with, with what I didn't particularly care for. There wasn't a lot on the plate that I didn't particularly care for. I would mm-hmm. definitely hit these green. A little bit of uh, little Frank's hot. Okay. Frank's red hot, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, I want I want to talk to Rip though. I took one. I just only took one bite. Mm-hmm. I need you to close your eyes, Master Glass. Okay. I need <laughs> I need you to cover your eyes and ears and ears and ears and ears because this rib bone. All right, I got you. Let me try it. Let me try it. The rib bone. <laughs> No. I said, um. I don't feel like you're giving me the same energy. Mm. No. That's a little cold. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little cold. We, we got a good conversation. <laughs> it's not bad. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's because. So let me tell you a problem. All right. I'm going to say it was probably about 15 years ago. I go to visit my friend out mm-hmm. of state, Arkansas. Okay. And he was like, man, I'm about to take you to this rib joint mm-hmm. in Arkansas. The name of the spot, I think it was called the Whole Hog. Okay. The whole Pig or something I like, like that. I like they got some good. I went in there and they ruined ribs for me um they okay. were that good okay that everything is up against that standard right 
you know Elder Dan Barton? Mm-hmm. Elder Dan Barton can kill some ribs. Now, I have had his ribs. So, though my standards are high for ribs. Okay, okay. But for a soul food restaurant that has some mass-produced ribs and can't put all the love and all that stuff in them, mm-hmm. very good. It's okay. a good rib. Okay. Good rib. I liked it. I was like, oh. I tried to stay away from port. <laughs> Me too. But this... Listen, I'm going to be in the car driving home. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> All right. That's real. The okra. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. What did you think of the greens? The greens, they just need a Yeah. Heat. Yeah, you did say that. The greens yeah, are... Just, it's a little bit the, of Frank's. I bit the chicken. The chicken has a nice little smoky flavor to it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the sauce leaves a little bit to be demanding. Okay. Uh, or at least a little bit uh, to, to be desired. But good. Like in terms of like a restaurant, yeah. it wasn't too expensive. Um, you know, I got all this food, it was less than twenty bucks. So it was like a promo code. Mm-hmm. Less than twenty bucks for all this. And I'm like, all right, this is good. So, I, I can, I so would it. you turn over the plate in the trash? Nah, I would eat this plate. <laughs> I'm eating this plate. Right. <laughs> I, I, I would eat this plate. So all right, so we go so we we gonna name it. Alright. Name it. The name of this restaurant is in town. Well, it's not in Talmadge, technically. It's close to Talmadge. It's on um, West Avenue. It's called the Southern Kitchen. So it's in the Akron area, Southern oh, wow. Kitchen. It used to be L.A. Soul. Okay. Um, you remember L.A. Soul? I remember it. Okay, so now I know exactly where yep. it's at. It used to be L.A. Soul. So okay. now it's called the Southern Kitchen. And it is definitely, definitely worth naming. Okay. Definitely worth naming. Yeah. <laughs> We two, we we two and oh, two for two and oh. Uh, they doing what? Now we now we not being too generous, are we? I don't think so I don't because think so. I, I have no problems telling <laughs> someone that their food like oh they and I, I'm not gonna be mean about it and be like oh your food is garbage, right? I'm yeah. just gonna be like oh okay, I see what you did here. I see the effort yeah. that was put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like people know if you get here with that. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, no, thank you. You want seconds? Mm, no. no, I'm not sure. Okay. I had a big lunch. Yeah, 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 yeah. When food's real good, you don't care how full you are. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm eating some more of that. I'm gonna eat some more of that. All right. Well, Pastor Glass, this was a great, once again, great episode. I think so. Thank episode you. Episode five in the bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, y'all come back and join us. Okay, or come back and join us for the next episode. God bless y'all. Bless y'all. Y'all next time.